This is Kill Streak, episode 39. We're back again, 39 times. Whew, the big golden 39s. That's one for the history books, friends. I'm Eric Goslin, and joining me all the way from Austin, Texas, Mr. Michael Price. How are you, sir? I'm good. Uh, the golden 39 sounds like some kind <laughs> of weird piss play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, disgusting, Mike. I would never take it there, but you did. And that's why well, you're this the is gonna heel. be a disgusting episode dude I, I was thinking about that okay so we're yeah. we're covering evil dead from 2013 no the no just, the no the just yeah. evil dead this mm-hmm. must be the most brutally violent movie we've ever covered on the podcast yeah certainly on the pod yeah, yeah. i don't know i it's i don't know exactly where i'd rank it amongst all the movies i've seen but yeah, for us, for sure, so far. Even like Dead Alive, because that movie's funny, so mm-hmm. you know the the gore is more used for comedic effect. But yeah. uh, this one, man, whew. Mm-hmm. But I don't want. Yeah, it... Oh, I, was, I don't want to spoil uh, what we're going to be talking about. No, no, it's the, not on the future of this episode just yet. Yeah, uh, I just realized I'm not wearing my wedding ring. <laughs> so, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> so anything goes here today. Eric uh, Eric was downtown earlier shopping for a golden 39. Uh, <laughs> I took it off because I was deadlifting, so you know, oh, don't wanna God. damage it. Uh gosh. God. Oh no. Oh no. I'm spiraling. <laughs> One time I did lose it at the gym. And Eric, uh, stop sweating on your microphone. <laughs> I just showered too. Uh, um <laughs> I lost it at the gym. It fell out of my pocket and like like a bunch of us had to find it. It was terrifying. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. That's why you're going to have like a special place for it. Right. Yeah. My Uh, finger. I don't know. I it's, I think it's kind of bullshit. Like I'm engaged, but I don't get a ring. I don't have any like why, why I, I should at least have, there should be some sort of male engagement ring. That's just like a symbol. That's just like, Hey, this is yeah. your last chance to get it. You know? <laughs> well, I say use that lack of ring to your advantage. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm just kidding. I am faithful to my fiance. Of course. We all are here on Kill Streak. That's right. It's a Kill Streak rule. <laughs> kill Streak rule. <laughs> we had to take a no. vow of monogamy when we started this podcast. No more cheating. God damn it. <laughs> we were we were total louses before we started this podcast last year. <laughs> or yeah. earlier in the year. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> now this has reined yeah. us in. The pandemic yeah, also, sure. but <laughs> Yeah, really. Uh locked up shop. Yeah. But uh <laughs> yeah, that's neither here nor there. Uh was there anything we wanted to talk about before we talk 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 about the Tark about it. No, I don't think so. This is the last in the series that we're gonna be co- covering. Mm-hmm. Uh next episode. Uh, we didn't really discuss this, but I assume we're gonna be mm-hmm. talking some Ash versus the Evil Dead. And yeah. our final wrap up, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be this Thursday. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, showing up in your feed midweek um, on Thanksgiving here in the states. Yeah, the Thanksgiving episode drop. We planned that well. Um, <laughs> well, you can listen to it uh, with your uncle, uh, but you shouldn't <laughs> you be with your uncle. Be, yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, you know COVID again. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm having fun with this fun discussion up top. I'm so I'm almost scared to start talking about the movie. Yeah, I think we just 
We gotta rip this. <laughs> we gotta rip this bandaid off. Let's do it. Uh, I want to put it to you first, Eric. Give me your blood and guts check on 2013's Evil Dead. Blood and guts check. I saw this movie when it came out in theaters. Um, this was during the what felt like the big cash grab remake era of horror mm-hmm. movies. Although maybe it was towards the tail end of that. Looking at the date, didn't yeah. realize it was only 2013. 2013. Mm-hmm. That wasn't very long ago. Yeah, it was late in that cycle, but I think we could say it was during that cycle. Yeah. Um, I remember leaving the theater, really not liking it, thought mm-hmm. it was brutally violent yes. in a way that I didn't find enjoyable. <clears throat> Watching it this time, I tried to go in with an open mind. A lot of my same gripes mm-hmm. came up for me as I started watching it. And then, you know what? Kind of by the end, I was sort of into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I know that's really damning it with faint praise. We'll get into mm-hmm. it. I, I, there's some major problems that I had with the movie. It is horrifyingly violent. <laughs> like I read, I watched the unrated cut for this as well. Yeah, so, so did I. So Eric and I both watched the unrated cut. I had seen the theatrical cut already, so I figured, why not? Let's see this one. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess at the end of the day, I did enjoy watching the movie. Okay. Enjoyment is a very subjective thing for a sure borderline torture porn kind of movie. Of, of this mm-hmm. caliber. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. about yourself? <clears throat> well, um, I saw this on uh, VOD rental, I think, when it after it came out of the theaters, um, you know, seven years ago or so. Uh, and I kind of liked it. And I think that I was in the minority, at least amongst the people that I talked to. But I felt like at the time that it was a movie that had more going on than I expected. Um, But it definitely was hard to watch. And so going into it again, I was really kind of unsure how I was going to feel. And um, I think that this movie misses the mark in some ways. But overall, I think this is good. Yeah. I think I think this is a good movie. <laughs> I I am shocked that I think that as well because I really yeah. didn't like it when I first saw it. This is very similar thoughts to uh Blair Witch when we covered that mm-hmm. for myself. The first yeah. time I saw it didn't like it, second time like right. okay, actually I I'm into it. Yeah, and I will say that like uh, for good and for bad, I haven't had this many thoughts and feelings about a movie that we've covered in a long time, probably since we talked about the Blair Witch and got into some pretty big debates over the relative quality of those films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not all marks in the positive column, but I will say, you know, for good and for bad, like this movie got me thinking a lot about a lot of stuff and feeling a lot of different ways. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm right there with you, man. I'm glad to hear you say it because I was afraid it'd be like, it would be the, you know, either one of us would mm. like it, one of us would hate it. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. That being said, there are problems with this movie. Sure. Glare, like pretty glaring problems. But yeah, kind of by the time the credits rolled, I was like, that's mm-hmm. pretty fucking cool in so a lot of I ways. Wa- yeah. I wanted to read. Um, this isn't quite uh, a letter to the podcast. Uh, this is a text message from friend of the pod and listener, Matt Waite. 
Um, and he sent me this text about three weeks ago. Uh, goes like this. Happy Halloween. The other night I tried for the millionth time to like the Evil Dead remake. And this time I couldn't get past 20 minutes. Somehow the bad dialogue in the originals just seemed like a charming afterthought to me. But in the new one, it's like they think they are being witty, like they are very satisfied that this terrible dialogue is actually very smart and revealing, and I can't stand it. Mm -hmm. In quotations, I am your big brother after all, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And the scares are like bad Raimi fan fiction. But pretty much everyone I know loves that movie, so what am I missing? Please answer on your podcast. Um, Do you have thoughts Uh, about that? I do, because I completely agree with that first 20 minutes critique. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even one of one of my notes in it is Jesus Christ, this exposition, Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's literally like that old, you know, it's kind of a I did improv for a while. And so it was a joke when you like start a scene being like, you know, Danielle, as your brother, I've always been your (laughs) brother. It's just like that kind of they Mm -hmm. fucking do that in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of the setup. I'm not a Mm -hmm. fan of the dialogue. I think. Okay. Um, some of the characters work mostly uh, really when the movie starts kicking into high gear is when I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Everything before yeah. that, I was just like, fuck man, Ugh, yeah. this again. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know that I can convince Mike, Mike, was it Matt, Matt, uh, Matt to, um, that he'll, that he should like this movie. I think once once we start breaking things down beat by beat, mm, maybe yeah, you know our thoughts will be more mm-hmm. uh, easily communicated. But I, I will say right. that I I mostly agree with with him. Other than by the end of it, I was into it. Okay, I have I've had a lot more time to think about this because I've had that text message sitting on my phone for three weeks. Um, and what I'll say. To Matt, if you're listening, I hope you haven't given up on us yet. <laughs> um, is I don't think you're wrong. I think that the dialogue is not a strength of this movie, which I find particularly hilarious because I don't want to. I don't want to um, go too hard on one Diablo Cody, but mm. famously or somewhat famously, I guess you know depending on what circles you run in and how much IMDb trivia you read. But she was brought in to do an uncredited punch-up of this script because it was written by the director, Fede Alvarez, uh, and his co-writer, who is a guy, I should have looked up the proper pronunciation, so I'm going to give it a go, Rodo Saeges, or Saeges, I'm not exactly sure where the accent is. Um, they're both Uruguayan. Uh, neither of them uh, have English as a first language. So they basically had Diablo Cody just sort of Americanize the script a little bit, which Jesus Christ, <laughs> like the idea that there was a hired hand writer to come in and make this script sing uh, is pretty laughable. Mm-hmm. And, I know that she definitely has her fans and I think maybe her greatest crime is just like her stuff ages really poorly. Yes. But even at the time, I mean, I think this was not good dialogue. Um, 
No. So, so right off the bat, like if you want me to talk about things that don't work in this movie, yeah, yeah, I think the the dialogue is bad. Um, but if I try to think about this from the perspective of what the script originally was like, um, you know, everybody has their own personal biases, their life stories that give that bring context to the way that we consume media and art and our critical eye. And like, I will give my full disclosure that I don't know how effective the framing device uh, that's central to this plot that really makes it different from the original evil dead is this, is this addition of the plot line that this is a detox weekend. Yes. That, that Mia is uh, an opiate addict and that she is with her friends and her brother to try to get clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so your mileage is going to vary a lot, I think, um, depending on what that means to you, mm-hmm. what your level of experience and exposure to that kind of thing is. But when I say this is a good movie, I mean, I think that this movie as an addiction parable works. Like, mm-hmm. it is clunky in its exposition and the way that they, they set this up. But like you said, once it starts rolling and once it actually gets moving, it is a really muscular, propulsive, effective, uh, gruesome, but somehow to me very authentic feeling metaphor for addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh and the pain and damage that it causes both to addicts and the people around them. Yeah. Um, what the process of getting clean is like, what it feels like, what you have to go through to accomplish that. Uh, and I think this whole movie is full of metaphor that's pretty on the nose, but also it's just like, I think it works. It works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can get into that more as we touch on that stuff. But overall, it's like, I think it's also it effective in that it it grounds some of the action of this movie in reality. Like the classic, it's like, if you're in this situation and shit starts to go south, why in God's name would you stay at this cabin? Like this builds in reasoning for that. It's like yeah. there is a reason why they choose to like keep going down this crazy road. You know? And also just the fact that addicts lie um, right. is like immediately you distrust Mia. They, mm-hmm. The characters distrust Mia and whatever she's going through because they yep. think she's lying to get, a, mm-hmm. to get out of this so she can go back home and yeah. get high. Right. Um, one, one of my biggest critiques actually has to do with this, um, the metaphor of addiction. And actually not even the metaphor, just the, the reality of... Uh Olivia at one point says like she has to detox for three days and then she's free and clear. Yeah. That's like drove me nuts. Cause like everybody (laughs) who's ever known an addict knows that's not true. (laughs) There's a ton of work that actually detoxing is the easy part and it's staying off of drugs (laughs) is the hard part. It's not, it's not easy. I won't say it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a life, it's a lifelong battle basically. And yeah, you know, for people, it does get easier at points. But yeah, the idea that you'd be free and clear after you get all of the literal opiates out of your system is, uh, yeah, a fairy tale. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go first. Well, I was just going to say, um, you know, there's, I think 
there's also something else happening here. Um, well, the addiction thing is part of it, but I think that there is an approach that is coming from Alvarez. I don't, and I don't know what their collaborative process is like, but all I know is that Fede Alvarez and Sayagas have made as director and writer two movies together, right? They've made evil dead and they've made don't breathe. That movie um, rules too. Right. And so don't breathe is good. I yeah. think it's like another good horror movie. Um, but there's something that these guys, and I'm just going to give credit to the two of them as a creative duo for now, and they can call in and let us know who did the heavy lifting. But there's there seems to be a kind of pet thing, which is this idea of just inversion. And it's, and it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. But it's like, you think about what the original trilogy, what works for it, what doesn't, what matters, what doesn't. And we talked about this. It's like the plots are a joke right mm-hmm. like they don't mean anything and and i think that especially you look at something like evil dead or evil dead 2 and it's like at least army of darkness has some like mocking of like masculine action heroes on its mind it's like doing a little bit it's a you know but for the most part those movies are meant to do one thing and that's entertain mm-hmm. you know they 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 tend to be a little bit of a pastiche of like references that that those guys enjoyed from their childhood or growing up, but like, there's no point to yeah. those movies. There's no other grand than to metaphor, en- right? To enjoy them, right? And so, kind of one of the inversions that I think that they attempt, and for me at least, they pull off here is that they actually said, you know what? Let's take Evil Dead, but let's make it about something. Mm-hmm. Let's make it actually kind of mean something. Which is not that easy to do because you have to take this pre-existing idea. And then fit it into a structure, into a framework, into a story that works without altering it too much. And I think it's actually really impressive that they can take almost the same plot in the same movie and fit it into an idea that mm-hmm. wasn't there the first time. Yeah. Right? And I think that is the mark of a really of a good remake is taking yeah. this framework and doing something new and interesting with it, mm-hmm. uh, which we're going to get into in a later segment. Yeah. Um, is <laughs> not it's not always the case mostly no. it's not the case yeah more often than not um and i think that so another thing we want to talk about more inversion we talked about the violence right at the top we haven't gotten into detail and we will but it's like this movie also completely turns the cartoonish violence of the original series on its head yeah. right mm-hmm. all the same shit happens it's all the same kind of stuff happening to the same kind of characters, but it feels awful and it's yeah. visceral and gruesome and really hard to sit through. But then you think about it and you're like, what's different? It's the same stuff. And so it's the craft. It's the filmmaking approach. It's the way they decided to stage it, to shoot it, to do the special effects mm-hmm. that they made almost the same thing feel completely different, you know? Yeah, I'll say it, uh, one of the reasons why the violence hits so hard, A, they did a lot of it practically, which I yeah. give them major kudos for. Yeah, especially for 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two, it's not, this movie is not fun. Even, no. there's even fun to be had in Evil Dead 1, uh, given like, you know, it's not yeah. a fun movie per se. It's right. not meant, it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. But the claymation like kind of takes it into a new realm where yeah. it's like ridiculous. Yeah. 
Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness mm-hmm. are complete fun. That's kind of right. all they are in a lot of ways. Right. This movie is zero fun. Um, and the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's exciting. There's exciting it's moments. It's exciting. I would argue that towards the end, it, like, it almost beats you into a kind of submission. Uh-huh. Sure. To where it's like, fuck, all right, whatever. Like, what's next? You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And it almost became a little bit enjoyable to me because it just like it really it, the movie beat me, you know, in terms of what I could put up with. Especially with that like final showdown. At that mm-hmm. point, I was just like, Yeah. Okay, yeah, fine. Fucking rip your hand <laughs> off. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because that's as gruesome as anything else in the movie. But by the end, you're just like, sure. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't we do this now? You know. <laughs> um. So I think. Um. For I mean, these are just a handful of reasons why. This is what I like about the movie, and there are things that I don't like about the movie. Not all the performances are that good. Mm-hmm. Uh. I mean, obviously, like the one thing they don't change at all from the original trilogy is these characters are almost without, uh, you know, they're barely without characterization, barely with. I don't know. Anyways, you know, they're all just cardboard stand ins. Basically, they really are. Um, I do especially, you know, the the women who aren't Mia are 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 kind of the most one's a nurse. Mm -hmm. The other is yeah. a girlfriend, and that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, that's like her definition. Yeah, <laughs> and even that, like, barely do barely do anything with. Right. Um, I also think that for the first third of the movie, it does suffer from my just the hated like grayish, yep, like um, bad lighting, like colorless mm-hmm. kind of like this is how gritty remakes are done. This this. Um, it, the, exactly. That's like how mm-hmm. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre looked yeah. in my memory, at least. That's how yeah. the remake of Friday the 13th looked. Mm-hmm. It's just totally. this, like, you know, g- like you said, gray, mm-hmm. drab. The yeah, All of the interiors are places you'd never step foot into as soon as they open the right. door to that cabin. You'd be like, yes. no, fuck this. This looks like mm-hmm. a slaughterhouse. Yeah. But I do think that in the same way that the action of this movie picks up and become and like gets you to a place where you're on board, I do think they also redeem themselves in terms of that. And I think by the end, again, we talk about that final showdown and I think it looks great. Mm-hmm. Like I actually I love what they do with it. Mm-hmm. And and I will say that uh, I think that the camera work throughout is solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have issues with the light. <laughs> in the color sorry just waving hello to eric's wife um uh i have issues with the color and the lighting but i do think the camera work is good all the way through um i don't know when to bring it up so i'm just gonna bring it up right now mm-hmm. i think the score fucking ruled i really really liked it mm-hmm. um yeah and I, I don't know if it stuck out to you at all no um, I, I uh it's so funny i'm a musician i seldom play pay attention to the score mm-hmm. in modern movies for some reason. I don't know why. I just like, it, yeah, it's not what I'm, you know, and it's also when I'm doing these movies in particular mm-hmm. for the podcast, I'm writing. Yeah. So I'm, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, that's like a third level of having to pay attention. Sure. that I'm just not capable of at yeah. the time. I mean, I think, man, you should, you should pop it on Spotify okay. and just like, because what I'll say is, and so it's another, um, it's another frequent collaborator. 
uh, of Fede Alvarez, the director. Um, I want to pull up his name. I had it ready to go, and then I moved away from it on my computer because I'm a fucking failure. Uh, yeah, his name is Roque Baños. Um, he's Spanish. Um, and he worked on Don't Breathe also. He's done a handful of other, you know, noteworthy... Uh, he worked on Girl in the Spider's Web, which is also Fede Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did he did something earlier on. Oh, yeah. He did Sexy Beast, oh. which is a fucking great movie yeah. with a great soundtrack. And I think the score is also pretty good yeah. in my recollection. But just to talk about the score of this movie for a second, it... Uh, like all like what I, all I can really call out is that it's really competently done, but you can tell that he listened to the original Joe LaDuca scores. Like he knows them and he like found a way to pay homage to them, mm-hmm. but make something bigger. Uh, it's much more symphonic uh, and it incorporates literal pieces like sampled pieces of of audio and dialogue from the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a a really great recurring motif I like where there's wailing built into the score that reminded me of gremlins. Um, so there's like, they take like the, like towards the end of the movie, it's this, this sort of way like, like gremlins (laughs) built into the the score. It's like not diegetic. It's not part of the scene. It's like, and so I almost feel like, I, I don't know, like, I'm talking about this movie like it's the best goddamn movie I've ever seen. It's <laughs> well, it really a just... surprise. It's a surprise it's a for surprise. both of us. Yes. And, and it's like, I was like going into it like, yeah, I think that movie was okay. And then I watched it again, and I spent the 24 hours thinking about it. And I'm like, no, it's good. This is a good movie. Um, it has problems, but I think it completely overcomes them. I have a b- bunch more notes, but I'm babbling at this point uh like a schoolgirl. <laughs> what do you want to why don't you throw something in there <laughs> Let yeah me um, give you a chance to co-host this podcast <laughs> uh i i think one of the things that suffers from and maybe you know kind of going back and forth on this opinion but mm-hmm. it, there is no ash there's no ash like character yeah there's yes. no hero exactly mm-hmm. in this movie it kind of by yeah. the end it turn it becomes mia but right. she spends most of the movie as like possessed deadite. Yeah. So you don't yeah. really get to sympathize with her. And even in part one, th- you know, there's it's man, Bruce Campbell. He has so much screen presence mm, absolutely. that you're, you're able to hang the movie, the first movie on him in his character is barely defined his, right. you know, the plot is barely a plot. It's just things happening to him really. And he carries it. And there's mm-hmm. just no, I mean, because that's Bruce Campbell is a movie star. At the end of the yeah. day, he's a movie star. Even if he doesn't work a ton these days, he does, but he's not in movies. Right. Um, the, and this movie kind of suffers because there is, it's kind of just chock full of the, what I always call like the WB kind of uh, actors. Yeah. The super yeah. attractive cardboard cutouts mia Mm -hmm. i think actually does do a very good job she does and it's not a surprise to me that she's also the lead in don't breathe yes you know and she was not the first pick for this either she actually replaced lily collins as phil collins daughter oh wow famously famously the star of uh the hit netflix show emily and perry oh is that Uh, her (laughs) 
Yeah, that's Oh, her. thank you for the correct pronunciation, too. <laughs> no problem. Emily uh, and Perry. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, like, you're, to just to kind of prove your point, like, I refuse to give you guys information on the cast of this movie outside of Jane Levy, who is the star as Mia. Like, they are all... I'll give a brief shout out to Lou Taylor Pucci, who plays uh, Eric. Eric, yeah, I liked him. Because um, I think he does well. And also, I think he's the only one who has any sort of journey that's kind of fun to track. Yes. Um, I think that uh, now I'm going to end up naming fucking three fifths of the cast. But <laughs> Shiloh Fernandez, who plays David, Mia's brother, like, he does okay. But he's not. I just. I. You know what? I take that back. I don't like him. Yeah, I don't like. Him. I don't like this. him either. Um, I. You know, it's. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. Like the cast, the dialogue. That's not what you're here for. Um, but I do think it's an interesting movie because I think it manages to have, like, you know, it's one of those where it's like I like the plot. I don't like the script. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's tricky in that respect. Uh, I like. Parts of how it looks, I don't like other parts of how it looks. But overall, uh, what are you gonna say? Are you gonna get into at all the uh, future plans for for this franchise? Was that I? Cause, cause I we, think we should talk about it next week. But I think that it's worth talking about what they were thinking at the time. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to? Yeah, do, I, do you I was touch just on that a little bit. Quickly say, at at the time, this has since probably been scrapped completely. Yeah. They were going to follow this up with like the further adventures of Mia, and how they were, yeah. And before that, they were going to do essentially Army of Darkness two. Exactly. Let's just say yeah, a Bruce Campbell Evil Dead four. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're going to do an Army of Darkness two with Mia as the main character, right? And then eventually get to. Oh, okay. So they were going to do they were going to do an Ash movie, and then they were going to do Evil Dead two. A, oh. a second Mia movie, okay. and then they wanted a third movie where they brought the two of them together. And man, I would pay a price of a movie ticket <laughs> to yeah. see what that would be. I want like, it. <laughs> a to- that tonally from right. this movie to like what Evil mm-hmm. the Army of Darkness Two would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then the Ash and her together, that would be right. so strange tonally. Well, and maybe I'm doing too much work for the filmmaking brain trust. Um, and to be clear, we're talking about Sam Raimi and Rob Tapert and Bruce Campbell. Like, they produced this movie. Yeah. Um, and while this was Fede Alvarez's baby, like, they were part of the decision making. They picked him, and they were involved in creative decisions. And this was a plan that they had all sort of hatched together. Um, it, oh, I also briefly want to call out that mm-hmm. Fede Alvarez uh, is a fan. And it shows. Yeah. It's not like a Marcus Nis- Nispel from who did Texas yeah. Chainsaw and right. Friday the 13th. And he was mm-hmm. like, no, nah, I didn't like those movies. I'm really yeah. like, like he's a fan. And I, and yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And there's a ton of nods to this mo- to, to the first movie. And they're not all super obvious. Like a lot of them are kind of buried pretty deep. Half of them, you really do have to go to like IMDb trivia to, to figure out. Um, but I, it, what I was going to say is, like, doing some work for them, I wouldn't have been surprised if the part of the reason they wanted to do a second Mia movie before uniting those characters is because they're trying, they're essentially treating this Evil Dead 
as the serious one, which is essentially what the Evil Dead mm-hmm. 81 is to the original trilogy, right? Yeah. So you have sort of the darkest, most down-the-middle horror movie as your introduction to the character, and then I probably would expect them to expand the sense, not even necessarily sense of humor, but at least a little bit of that, you know, Evil Dead flair into a second Mia movie. But to tie this back to what you were saying about the movie Missing in Ash, I agree. And I've ended this movie wanting like, okay, I want the next movie. I want Mia as a sort of like, you know, uh, put upon, hand, you know, hero would miss in the hand i like i want mia ash Mm -hmm. i want to see that movie now i i I, they 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 hooked me i want to see her be a badass now yeah exactly because you do get to see it at the end of the movie and it's for me it was fun i enjoyed it a lot yeah um yeah i shouldn't say that the movie's no fun because the end is fun like the the last like final showdown Mm -hmm. is like satisfying yeah and that's kind of yeah what i was alluding to earlier um as far as like the conclusion of that anecdote about the future plans so as you can probably guess that army of darkness 2 ended up becoming ash versus evil dead the stars series Mm -hmm. um and there was a little bit of talk about the mia sequel getting made this movie did well uh it its box office was solid it was almost 100 million dollars and the budget wasn't too high i think it was in the 20 to 30 million range um and so it was considered a success. Uh, and I think at one point, Alvarez was kind of fielding the idea, the questions about whether we might try to make a, another, an Evil Dead 2, but then they ended up deciding to go produce uh, Don't Breathe 2 instead. Mm. Um, because that's going to be directed by, in fact, I think it was shot this summer. They shot it. Oh, really? Or like once the COVID restrictions were lifted again and they were able to start shooting... Whether or not that's a good idea is up to you yeah. uh, to decide. But yeah, uh, according to Stephen Lang, uh, it's shot. They finished it a couple, like a month or two ago. Oh, cool. Um, so there is a sequel coming to Don't Breathe. Sadly, uh, no sequel in in the works for this movie. Um, did Fede, Fede Alvarez didn't direct Don't Breathe? No, too, he, did he? no. he produced it, and it's directed by the writer. Um, uh, yeah, fuck. the writer. <laughs> Yeah, Roto, Roto I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyways, um, in terms of other stuff, yeah, just Alvarez is an interesting guy. He's, you know, uh, like I said, Uruguayan, he, he went to film school there and kind of made, like, he was already a professional there and ran a visual effects studio and, you know, worked in in the film world in that country and a kind of interesting bit of trivia, he made a short film, uh, English translation, Panic Attack, which you can find on YouTube. <clears throat> it went viral uh, about two years before this movie got made because at the time, Kanye West had a very popular art blog and he hmm. would repost stuff and he found this movie somehow. And so he reposts this short film and it just blew up. And a couple months later... Alvarez is in LA. He signs with CAA and he ends up getting hooked up with uh, the Renaissance guys with Rob Tapert and Sam Raimi, because he's like you said, a fan and uh, that this is his first American film and it's his first major, um, his, his first feature film. So 
Uh, he he came out of the gates with this. I think it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And if you read interviews with him or, or just sort of his, some of his story, he's a guy who clearly um, makes decisions about what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do. He turned down an MCU movie at one point. Wow. Because... Uh, and stated publicly that he felt like he just wouldn't have enough creative control over it. Um, did the same thing to the Fast and Furious franchise. Ooh. They offered him a directing Dude. role, and he's he said, no, I think that you guys are too locked into a style, and I just don't think that I'd be able to make it my own. Dude, that is um, a ballsy move I would never do. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, yeah, fuck it, I'll take the money, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the money, and all, like, also, it's like, in a way it's like, isn't that your chance to establish your name and then get a chance? But I also yeah. get it. Like, you know, it's a principle. Thing. It's definitely, I'm, I'm too, it's like, okay, we'll make fast and the furious, but then make something awesome after that. You know, like right. yeah. you have more freedom to do so, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. What am I? I'm just like in my fucking basement <laughs> talking to a microphone. <laughs> hey, you got this, you got this great podcast, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I think, um, He's an interesting guy. Uh, he on like he hasn't done that much stuff yet, and I'm I like so even though he's he's already in his forties because he was you know a, a working professional before he started directing features. Like I think of him as kind of an exciting young director who just happens to be forty two. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, I'm really interested. I haven't seen The Girl in the Spider's Web. Um, I don't know if it's any good. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I've seen Evil Dead and I've seen Don't Breathe, and I'm excited to see what he does next. So. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I think, um, you know, we've talked so much about this movie already. Uh, the production details, I'll tell you what. You know, it was shot in New Zealand. Uh and anything else you want to know, uh, it's on IMDb. So yeah. <laughs> I was impressed that it was shot in New Zealand because it looks cool. Like the, it the looked, exteriors yeah. look great. Yeah, they did a good job with it. Um, and yeah, you can just tell by watching it, like you said, Eric, that it is it is made by fans of the of the original. And um, yeah, there's thought that went into this. And for better or worse, uh they tried something here. Mm-hmm. They, this is like you said, Marcus Nispel is a perfect example of just to throw another dude under the fucking bus. <laughs> like this is not a Marcus Nispel remake. This is whether you hated it or you loved it. Uh, these guys came in and they tried to make something out of uh, what could have just been a rote remake. So yeah. you want, to, you want to talk about it? Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> what if we? Did? I guess the plot specifically, because we've definitely been talking about it already. Yeah, let's. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna take a quick uh, golden thirty nine, and then we're gonna come back and <laughs> recount the plot of this movie. So we got a little bit of a cold open here. It's a creepy, foggy forest. A woman shambling through it, bleeding. And something runs by the camera. It's all spooky. There's a a man with a shotgun chasing her. She hides behind a tree, and then boom, he's right there, puts a bag over her head, wrestles her to the ground, caught the bitch. And this other guy knocks her out with the butt of a gun. She wakes up chained to a post in a basement, which we later learn to be the, pa- the basement of the cabin. Mm-hmm. She said, please don't hurt me. And a- another woman is speaking in another language, like Latin or something. 
We see a, a table full of bloody tools. That old woman says, only the evil book can undo what the evil book has done. Little bit of trivia. Mm. Do you know who that old lady is? No. She is the elderly um, neighbor of Ash in Ash versus the Evil Dead, uh-huh. who turns into a deadite and attacks him. That is fun. Yeah, isn't that fun? Mm-hmm. Um, this man with glasses takes off her hood, and it's her dad. Daddy, why are you doing this to me? There's a, uh, there's a bunch of like real hick freaks in there, <laughs> like, like dis- <laughs> disfigured, like uh, super skinny, like hicks. Mm-hmm. One of those, uh, yeah, is is an actual person who has survived two plane crashes. Holy fuck! Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't have called him a hick freak. Uh, I mean, the character is a hick. Uh, uh, the actor, we don't know. Could be a hick, could not. Two uh, plane crashes? Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's what the IMDb said. <laughs> wow. Um, and then, uh, yeah, her mom is dead. She asks, like, where her mom is, and the dad's like, she's dead. You know that. You killed her. And the old woman turns a page in the book. It's a Necronomicon. Uh, and there's a picture of a woman being burned at the stake. Do it. It's the only way to save her soul. The girl's pleading for her life. Uh, he he is the dad's like gonna light a match to light her up. Then she finally she's like, I'll rip your soul out, you pathetic fuck. She's a demon. He lights the match, torches her. I love you, baby. And then blows her head off with a double barrel shotgun. Body count one. Then we're uh, with our with our heroes for the rest of the movie. Um, David and Natalie, they're driving through the scenic woods. They get yeah. to the cabin. Intro. I get. I guess it's helpful to establish some stuff if you haven't seen the original trilogy. But like, right. I say, get rid of it. Unnecessary. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't do anything for me. Um, um yeah. I was impressed by how much the cabin they got to look like the original cabin. I like that the exterior looks a lot like it and that it feels like it inside, but it's it's bigger. Yeah. Um, and it in a way that works for me. I didn't feel like it feels like they built a cabin inspired by the original, but just mm-hmm. like expanded on it. Um, yeah. And the other thing I want to say, we're on this shot. You're, you're you were just going to talk about this opening car driving through the woods stuff we recognize from the original movies it's shot in a way there's two things i wanted one there's this shot that's like an inverted drone right it's upside yeah. down and it slowly writes itself it, yeah writes itself i know this shot from somewhere else and i couldn't figure it out oh yeah no you're right um there is another movie that has like a upside down drone shot oh i don't you're right, and yeah. I don't know what it is. Listeners, if anybody can help me out with this, Josh Stewart, if you're out there and you know, <laughs> uh, hit us up. Send us a, a voicemail. Uh, we'll talk about it on uh, uh, on Thursday if we get it in time. Um, but the other thing that I feel like these shots, while they are also uh, you know drawing from the first movie, it feels like it's pulling a lot of inspiration from another movie, which I think... Besides the original Evil Dead, I think there's two other movies that this movie is pulling a lot of inspiration from. And one mm-hmm. of them is The Shining. 
Yes, it has very big shining vibes in these yeah. opening shots. Yes, in these shots. But then also, if you think about the whole movie, like everything that we talked about, if we're thinking Evil Dead and and opiate addiction and mm. it, it, shining and alcoholism, alcoholism, like there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of shared ground there. And I think that I'm not saying that this movie is as good as The Shining. But <laughs> I am saying that I think that this is deliberate and it is another thing that I respect uh, about some of the creative choices being made. They get to the cabin. Uh, we meet Olivia. Hey, how's it going, Mr. Hot Shot City Boy? Hot shit city boy, not even hot shot. Um, there's some like weird tension between Natalie, who's David's girlfriend, and Olivia. Mm. Like, There's like some sort of hint that maybe there's a past. I don't know. But she's like, oh, is, are, are you the doctor? It's like, well, RN. Uh, and then, like, the, you know, there's, I don't know, there's just some, like, cattiness there for yeah, some reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, there is Eric. Uh, he has, like, he looks like Jared Leto in this movie. A little bit, yeah. He's, like, long hair, beard, gla- like, cool glasses. I If I could do long hair, that's <laughs> how I'd want my hair to look. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is all he these are some some choices that he made because he wanted to go for like an early 80s look, basically. Yeah. Um, Pulls it off. And it also works because at the time and still to this day, mm-hmm. the early 80s look is still like yeah. a viable look that people do. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, then uh, then, of course, there's Mia, David's sister. Uh, she's waiting for you in the back. Eric tells David, he goes back there. Mia's sitting down on a broken Oldsmobile. Although I did read, not the Oldsmobile, not Sam no. Raimi's Oldsmobile. No, and I believe the suspicion is because Sam Raimi's actual Oldsmobile was on the set of Oz the Great and Powerful at the time. He's uh, just, how does he work it into that movie? Or uh, also, how did he work it into The Quick and the Dead? Did you know, uh, you know that answer? I think it's actually, I think the answer is the same for both films, which it serves, uh, they used the chassis uh, as the base of a wagon. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, kind of a, yeah, whatever. It's fun. I guess it's fun. I don't know. I guess it's fun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying I guess to if be you're, a killjoy If you're here. rich enough and you're a yeah. successful enough director that you can do dumb bullshit like that, I guess yeah. so. Why not? Yeah, but for those who don't know, we are referring to the fun trivia fact that Sam Raimi puts that Delta Olds from the original The Evil Dead in every single movie and project that he directs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just watched Quick and the Dead, too, and fucking loved it. That movie's awesome. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, for sure. Sam Raimi, turns out, pretty good. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting, smoking, sketching the cabin. I'll be damned you actually came. Well. I'm your big brother. Of course I came. That's that exposition we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little on the nose. Uh, but also it's, yeah, it just doesn't work. It's and a part of that is the acting. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that is also these lines of dialogue are not uh, artful. Grandpa, the dog runs up to Mia. You see a dog in a horror movie, you know, he's going to die. Absolutely. That dog's um, fucked. That's totally <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Mia, we always loved this place, didn't we? Um, he does this like you know quarter hidden behind the ear trick. Pulls mm-hmm. out a necklace that he bought for her. Mm-hmm. It's made from a buckthorn tree. It's supposed to make her will stronger. And of course, yeah. it's also like basically the necklace that Ash gives to to Linda. Right, similar in design. Right. Yeah, and just like you know, shout out Matt. Wait, like this is what 
he's talking about, and I do not disagree. Like, so far, nothing in this movie is impressive. Uh, and in no. fact, like, these exchanges are not well done. Um, so, bear with it. I think it gets better. <laughs> I think so, too. Uh, so, they explain Mia is making a commitment to sobriety. Um, and she's at this cabin to detox. She pours her heroin down a well. I promise not to touch this shit ever again. She's quitting cold turkey. It's a fun line when she walks away and someone's like, well, some slugs are going to have a party tonight. <laughs> That's, that must be a Diablo Codyism. It does seem that, yeah. But it's, I, it gave me a chuckle. Yeah, me too. Uh, Olivia, the nurse, gives the rundown of Mia's next three days of detox. She has three days of detox. It's going to be hard, but then she'll be off the hook for good, which is that line I alluded to. Not really how heroin addiction works, but nope, nope, nope. She's then after that, she will have to be diligent for the rest of her life. Yeah, exactly. Um, they open the door to the cabin. It's a fucking mess inside. (laughs) I was like, I I would never stay there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mia immediately smells something bad, but nobody else does. David's like, well, some teenagers probably broke in here to drink beer and bump uglies. I hate that term, bump uglies. You don't like it? I don't uh, like it. I mean, I don't use it, but I think that under the right circumstances, it can be amusing. Like when you're trying to make love? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're really hey, trying to like... Yeah, where I, I, I ask a lot of questions that I already know the answer to. I go, <laughs> hey, hey, are we bumping uglies right now? <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking about? Is it about how we're pumping uglies? Um, <laughs> Mia finds an old picture of all the friends when they were teenagers together. Hanging on the wall, there's a picture of her and her brother and her mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, David walks in. She's like, do you remember that lullaby mom used to sing us? Baby, little baby, it's time to say goodbye. Mia, please, I don't think you need sad memories in your head right now. Mom's not a sad one. You know, in her final dates at the hospital, there were many times when mom thought I was you. Uh, and she's like lays out this whole thing mm-hmm. in this one conversation. Right. Of like, he's like, well, Mia, you know that I had just gotten that job in Chicago at the garage and when she had gotten bad. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, this exposition yeah. all in this one scene. You're like, fucking mm-hmm. pump the brakes. And, and the thing is, it's, it, this goes back to what I was saying, which is it is all executed very poorly but i see what they're going for and i feel like if they've done it right it works because it's also it's like i mean it's adding context to their relationship in terms of and the addiction thing like this is real it's like addiction starts with a lot of people as an attempt to self-medicate pain right and sometimes it's physical pain sometimes it's emotional pain sometimes it's both and so we're getting this, like, what is Mia's situation and what is her relationship with her brother? And her brother fro- probably feels like he's let her down uh, and that's why he's here now. And that is that is a theme that's going to play through to the end of the movie, this idea mm-hmm. that her brother was not there for her in the past, mm-hmm. right? And if there are ways to do this well. This is not one of them. But, no. I, think, <laughs> but I think by the time... We get to the end when the movie just lets itself happen via actions instead of like these clunky, like telling our feelings and telling our history. 
That's it, it, it'll work for me. But yeah, yeah, right now it's not good. I agree with you. Um, then later on, David's fixing up, you know, like the door jam or something with a nail gun, and you know that <laughs> nail gun is going to come back. And boy, oh boy, it does. Yes, it does. Oh man, that seems great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Olivia reminds David that it's like we've already, you know, we've already done this before, and she lasted eight hours and quit and left. Not quit heroin. She went back to heroin. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're gonna have to force her to stay there this time. Like, there's no way they're gonna let her leave. Mm-hmm. It's this is the only way. It's the hard way. And actually, Mia even OD'd and technically died before, which David wasn't aware of. Yeah. Um, and they had to like break out the defibrillators and everything and mm-hmm. bring her back a, to life. Put a point on that. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> uh, cut to. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say. In in that, put a pin. Put a syringe in that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Cut to it's storming. Mia's screaming. She's going through withdrawal. She can't stand the smell in the cabin. Um, she smells something dead. Then the dog, Grandpa, starts pawing at the rug. Grandpa must have been a Diablo Cody. Now that I'm thinking, like (laughs) realizing all the things Mm -hmm. that Diablo Cody must have added. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, she's pawing at the. What's that? She named that dog for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. They pull back the rug and there's that classic Evil Dead trap door. There's mm-hmm. blood even smeared on it. Yeah. Uh, they open it up and that's where the smell's coming from, turns out. Eric and David go in there. They go into the, the back room uh, and there's a bunch of dead cats hanging from the ceiling. And they find that burnt post from the cold open. And mm-hmm. then a, the shotgun in the the Necronomicon, which is covered in a trash bag, wrapped in a trash bag, and then, you know, bound with barbed wire. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's a quick shot of uh, somebody like Natalie, I think, sawing through some roast beef. Really disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, it's awful. Way too rare. Mm -hmm. Like, actually bloody roast beef. Yes. With an electric carver. Yeah. Introducing Chekhov's electric turkey knife as (laughs) well. (laughs) Mia's outside pacing around in circles in the rain. Uh, Eric is looking at the Necronomicon. He like snips the barbed wire, tears the bag open. And of course is intrigued by this creepy skin book. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even says like in the pages, leave this book alone. Yeah. And he gets a paper cut and bleeds on the page, which would fucking freak me out so badly. <laughs> if I, if I were him. Yeah. He just always forges ahead with, he, he, I ultimately like his character, but mm-hmm. uh, he does some dumb fucking shit at this beginning. Yeah, you're frustrated with him right now. Um, I'm going to throw something out there, and this may be a bridge too far, so you tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm thinking about all of the different uh, addiction and drug allegories in this movie... One of the things that I didn't really notice in the first viewing, but last or yesterday I was thinking about is this stuff with Eric um, almost is like feels to me. It's like a mini allegory within an allegory. Like, I don't think it ties into the to Mia's story so much as it's just like the book. It's like the drug. It's like this thing that you know you shouldn't fuck with, 
that has yeah, you can't help yourself it's wrapped in barbed wire it's wrapped in a trash bag it literally says no stay away from me this mm-hmm. is bad but he just kind of can't resist and just keeps plowing ahead like you said and i don't know maybe that's deliberate maybe that's just me finding meaning in it myself but it was something that i thought was a little bit interesting yeah that is interesting i didn't have that thought but now that you say it, it does make sense i wonder i wonder if it is i mean you know I bet it is uh, intentional. Um, So there's some incantation that's scribbled out on one of the pages, and he makes a rubbing of it and says the words as they appear. Kunda. It literally says, don't say these words. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he says it out loud. Yeah. So he says the first word. We got that thing in the woods, a classic evil dead thing in the woods Mm -hmm. rushing at the house. He says the rest of the words. And then outside... The thing rushes at Mia. She collapses and pukes. Mm-hmm. And then she like, kind of looks up and she sees like a J-horror girl in the woods, like very ring, yeah. like black hair in front of their face. You can't see their yeah. face. <clears throat> um, she runs inside, says like, we have to get out of here right now. I have to go. Of course, the others aren't going to let her leave. David's like a little bit on her side. Um, so she's like appealing to him, manipulating him. She's always like, just like an addict, always mm-hmm. manipulating the one who feels the most sympathy towards them. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, she like rips his necklace off that she was like wearing as a bracelet, I guess. Um, I don't know why I felt the need to, <laughs> to clarify that. Oh, it wasn't on her, folks. It wasn't on her. Wasn't neck. on her neck. It was actually wrapped around her, her wrist. She grabs the keys of the G of a car and drives off. Uh, she's t- doing a lot of screaming in the car. Uh, suddenly <laughs> that girl speeding driving in the rain too. to going t- way too fast. Mm-hmm. Suddenly that girl from the woods is in front of her. She swerves, drives off the road, lands in a swamp and hits her head. Okay. I absolutely despise and Never want to see again, God help me, the convention of someone driving down a road, yep. and then a ghost appears in the road suddenly, and they veer off the road and crash. I am yep. so fucking sick of I'm it. I'm so over it. Yeah. I, I, absolutely, man. It happens in almost every movie we've yeah. watched, it yeah. feels like. If there's a movie with a ghost in it, this shit happens. It's yeah. just like, fuck, enough already. Find something else to do. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. Even have the fucking ghost in the car. Like, I'll buy that. Sure. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Something. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. And it is just like a, this thing like, well, why don't they just go leave? It's mm-hmm. like, well, because now one of the cars is gone. There's two right. cars. Right. Anyway. Um, so she wakes up in the, in the car. Like, it's like up to her knees in water now. Um, she opens a door. Cl- like, goes into the swamp. There's a funny thing where she... Is in the car. She picks her bag up out of the water, puts it on, mm-hmm. and then gets into the water, and her bag kind of gets caught, so she just leaves her bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is an interesting scene that has the, uh, to be honest, like, it has the feeling that they were just like, uh, okay, so you're in the car. Now get out of the car and get out of the swamp. And she's just, like, doing it like a real person would. Like, I don't know exactly how I'm going to do this. There's a lot of, like, hesitant moves and stuff. I kind of yes, liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. That probably was the direction. Um, that thing in the woods is rushing towards her. She hears her friends calling her name. And then suddenly that girl pops out of the muck right in front of her. 
Um, and then she she runs. The thing's chasing her. She like falls into like this branch tunnel, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I w- before you go on, I want to call out real fast too that the camera work. So for the evil in the woods, like this classic Evil Dead trope, this time around, I don't have this confirmed, but I feel pretty confident saying that they have foregone the old Raimi shaky cam and they're using a drone. Uh, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I actually think it works pretty well. And I also think it's noteworthy because this movie was right at the beginning of Hollywood finally getting access to uh, drone cameras. Drones. Um, so this is right around, I know there's some other movies that famously made use in the, this year before. So like Skyfall, I think was one of the first big ones Mm. that, that also there's like a big chase scene where they use a drone to film all that. But yeah, you see it in those opening shots of this movie, but also I actually really like how they use it for the evil in the woods. Um, I think it works really well. Um, so then, uh, of course the branches come alive, grab her, then mm-hmm. that did that, start like choking her. Uh, that dead girl's right in there with her. Is it her? Is that, is it? Yes. I, I was never super clear. Okay. It is yeah, her. It is her. And this is going to, we're going to come back to this at the end of the movie too. Um, yeah. And so I'll just say it now. It's like, this is again, playing into my whole feeling about the allegory of this film, where this is something new. This is something that we don't have from the original series. And it's like there is this whole theme of Mia facing her demons and specifically the way that addiction works. There's this famous thing that uh, is often said, especially in like, uh, you know, narco- like Al-Anon and like friends and family of addicts. Mm-hmm. This idea that like the only person who can get an addict clean is the addict. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's basically you versus yourself. Other people can try to help you, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's a personal thing. It's an internal thing. And this whole movie is basically like leading up to (laughs) this idea that she has to essentially conquer herself and this this issue that is hers and hers alone to fix. Uh, And I think this is the introduction of that theme, that we, we, what we're seeing is the evil it just manifests itself as her. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just a twisted, dark version of herself. Um, I think I have an answer for that upside down drone shot. Oh, really? Invisible How'd you get Man. it? Really? I just Googled upside down drone shot movie that starts with an upside down drone shot. Oh, wow. Okay. I think yeah. it might be invisible man. Cause that's, that would make that's sense. The, I've a seen a movie I... on the list that I've seen recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I've seen it. I saw it in the theater right before the fucking pandemic started. Hereditary? I don't know. Maybe he's also hereditary. hereditary. Might have one. I don't know. All well, believable. Ex yeah. Machina. Okay. Anyhow, anywho's. Um. Yes, the great ex- excellent point. You're um because you're 100 right. There is no no external force. P- you can provide an addict with as much structure and as much treatment, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's all all right. up to. The addiction is is something that lives inside them and that they have to conquer, right? And that's, yeah. I think, what the evil in this movie is meant to represent. Um, so, <laughs> Ugh, gross. The, the dead girl coughs up this, like, twisty, black, slithery branch, yeah. essentially. 
like a branch snake kind of yeah uh, yeah or a it's slug gross or, yeah. real gross looking uh it crawls up mia's skirt in a i assume right into her deuce hole <laughs> yeah you think that's where it went <laughs> i don't know man you got a 50 or the uno shot. yeah i don't know uh either way <laughs> It it's is, horrifying. Yeah, it's it is less exploitative than the tree rape sequence in the first film. I would still say that it is probably unnecessary. Yeah, I um, agree with you. Yeah. Uh so then her friends find her against a tree. Um Olivia doesn't like believe like her babbling. She's like talking about like, you know, there's something I don't know mm-hmm. exactly, but Olivia doesn't isn't buying it. Um they bring her back inside. David checks on her and she's like, we have to get out of here. You don't understand. There's something in the woods and I think it's in here with us. Um, and then David leaves her in the room and then the camera like pans over and we see in a mirror, the dead girls in the room there. There's mm-hmm. like blood pouring from her mouth or like mm-hmm. lapping her, her from her tongue really quick. It's yeah. Weird looking cool. Mm-hmm. Like weird in a cool way. Yeah. Eric's looking at that book, trying to figure out what's going on. David goes outside. He sees a trail of blood leading to uh, this hole under a tree. And uh, Grandpa's in there. He's whining and all bloody. Um, this the hole like that hole leads into a hole in the shed. Eric, uh, David goes in there and pulls Grandpa out, and he's dead. Of course, there's a bloody hammer on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then we see a quick cut of like Mia bashing grandpa's head in with it. Um, Mia's twitching in the shower in a slip. No. <laughs> you don't see a lot of slips nowadays. No, no. It's a little, it feels a little old fashioned. This, this, this bathroom is disgusting. I can't. It's disgusting. That, I cannot there, believe they're staying here. <laughs> there's like shit coming out of the toilet. Yeah. Like dripping down the side. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing that like. I don't know that they need. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's something that I would, I would, yeah. It's like, just make it a little bit more believably livable. Yeah. Cause like I said, as soon as I got there, I'd be like, listen, guys, there's plenty of cabins. Yeah. We can, <laughs> we can get, we can get an Airbnb or something. <laughs> um, then she, she cranks up the heat as David starts to pound on the door. She cranks up the water heat. Just her skin's breaking out in blisters. That's some fucking water heater. Yeah, it, it might be. I mean, you know, perhaps evil is helping it. That's true. Yeah. Um. So like, she's like breaking out in blisters. They come yeah. in. The heater starts on fire on the wall too. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <clears throat> they uh, rush her to the hospital. Or they're trying to rush her to the hospital in, in like the remaining jeep. She's like puking up white foam. Um, and then Eric, meanwhile, is back at the cabin looking at the book and sees that like one of, you know, a, a, a photo, uh, not a photo, a the drawing of a woman yeah. pouring like boiling water at herself on herself. Oh, the bridge is out, of course. I was hoping have... for a gnarled bridge. The, Me the, too. The, the flooded road is cool, but I missed the gnarled bridge. Yeah, I was hoping for that as well. Um, back at the cabin. They give her some a sedative. Her Olivia says her burns are second and third degree. Ew, yeah. Third degree is That's not great. It's not good. No. Um, everybody starts arguing about whether or not they should leave. And then Mia steps into the room, 
dragging a shotgun and twitching. And she raises the shotgun, shoots David in the arm. Um, and then the door bursts open and Mia screams, you're all going to die tonight. And she collapses on the ground. Olivia reaches for the gun and then Mia wakes up, grabs her hand, pounces on her, and then throws up a ton of blood onto her face. <laughs> I would even argue that it's like a blood mucus. Blend. Yeah, it's like blood jelly. Yeah, yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> it is really gross, yeah. And then Olivia like throws Mia off of her and she like falls into the trap door. They Yeah, they close the trap door. And it sounds like Mia's like hurting herself down there, throwing her against walls. Uh and then Eric is scared that like what's happening to her has to do with the witchcraft in the basement, his words, like which he completely started. Right. He, yeah. At no, doing. I think late in the movie, he's like, uh, I might have started this, but, and it's yeah, like, yeah. that's the closest he comes to taking any, uh, you know, any of the blame for any. Of this. Yeah. So then Olivia is washing up in the bathroom. And there's like chunks of vomit in her hair. It's so gross. <laughs> um, and she like opens a medicine cabinet door to get something like a syringe um, mm-hmm. with to like give uh, Mia more trank. And then the, uh, the door slowly closes like the medicine cabinet door. And there's a mirror and it reveals that like, her, like the lower half of her jaws ripped off. Yeah. Uh, and then the mirror shatters. So to be clear, her jaw is not ripped off yet. Her, like her face is not, is the is reflection. Still the reflection is, it's only exactly. Um, and then she like hears something and she sees the Necronomicon on the floor and the pages are turning and it lands on a picture of a woman cutting off her own face door slams and she goes stiff. She pisses herself pretty graphically. Yeah. Unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I would argue. Yeah. Uh. Um, Eric hears the door slam. He goes in to investigate. Uh, and Olivia's in the bathroom. The lights are like not working really. It's like flickering on and off. And she, as he gets closer, she's sawing off her fucking bottom half of her lips with yeah. a shard of mirror. He yeah. slips on some like, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and he has like, it, he has his reaction. It, it feels right to me. I think he kind of screams something at her like, why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. Like, or like stop doing that like that kind of thing and I was like yeah that's yeah that's how I feel and again you know I'm just going to keep ringing this bell for the rest of the podcast but it's like okay so you know uh, addiction metaphor checklist time self harm right this whole idea of self destruction and the harm that you do to yourself mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know and again to be clear, I'm not beating up on addicts here. If anything, I have nothing but Oh, no, no. But it's just like, this is part of that journey, that tale. And yeah, this is another thing. And then, uh, just so I don't have to cut in again, we're about to have a scene where uh, somebody gets stabbed countless times with a hypodermic needle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, David... Um, is it, uh, yeah, da, 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 da. oh, no, it's Eric. I'm sorry. Yeah, Eric, Eric yeah. falls backwards, right? He falls yeah. back. He slips on some blood, cracks his back on the toilet, which is, <laughs> dude, Eric 
takes this, some yeah. abuse in this movie. He <laughs> and, takes yeah. so much fucking abuse in this movie. Yeah. And like, if, I would argue that this is one of the few elements of the movie that in the right light kind of becomes funny at a certain yes. point. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Uh, so the cracks his back on the toilet, which seems extremely painful. <laughs> and then she stabs him in the chest with that sliver of mirror. Yeah. And then picks up the hypodermic needle and like just stabs him over and over in the fucking face. Yeah. With the syringe. Mm hmm. Uh, he pushes her off. She cracks her skull against the sink, breaking it. And then there's this close up shot. He yeah. pulls out the broken syringe from mm-hmm. under it. Is like under eye. Yeah. Oh, it, it's great. It's done really well. Um, I and and I know that they didn't do a lot of CGI, and you can tell this is a practical effect. Mm-hmm. And I went and I actually looked at some stills of it, and I think I figured out what they're doing is, uh, it's like a forced perspective almost. Where if you go look at it, you can actually see that his nose and like the bridge of his nose is more out of focus versus his yeah. eye where it seems like it should be. Because I think they're using a prosthetic cheek that is like extended from the side of his face oh. so that they're so it's like on the side of his cheek. So there's room for the the needle to go all the way through and not actually hit him in the in the, his own cheek. Yeah. And the camera is just right next to it and has it right in focus and the rest of it's out of focus to sort of keep hidden out of focus like the connection between the prosthetic and his face. And oh, interesting. My my idea I thought mm-hmm. was happening was they glued it to his face and he's mm-hmm. just kind of pulling the syringe out like and it's at pulling a little the, bit of an angle. Yeah, of. and he's pulling yeah. the skin with it because it's glued to his face uh-huh. until yeah. it like pops out it's well dis- whatever yeah. it is it's very effective fede alvarez once again we do invite you to call into the podcast uh, <laughs> after you hear this on monday yeah uh, of course. and let us know how did you do it um <laughs> so she's still coming at him olivia is he picks up the broken sink piece and bashes her head in with it body counts up to two pretty tame so far yeah <laughs> <laughs> Everybody comes running in at this point, and it's a fucking horror show. Yeah. Like, there's a the great... The bathroom is covered yeah, in blood. There's this great God's eye of you shot of just, like, the floor of the bathroom, and he's, like, barely supporting himself. Blood everywhere. Her fucking body is fucked. And all of a sudden, all their friends just come in, and he's just sort of meek. Sorry, I'm stealing this tiny piece from Eric. No, Meekly is just like, you know... She's like, she tried to kill me. I swear, she tried to kill me. It's like, yeah, man, you need to come up with a fucking defense fast because it looks bad. (laughs) It looks really bad. Yeah. Um. So in the shed, they pull the mirror out of his chest and like duct tape it. That's kind of a runner that would be a little bit funnier. But er, uh, David's solution to every wound is just Mm -hmm. slapping duct tape on it. (laughs) There is when they pull it out. There's so much blood that pumps out of the wound. Yeah. Uh, and it looks awful. And I think whichever who's who, what's the name of the other girl in the who's Natalie? in the shed with him? Yeah, she calls it out. She's like, he's losing so much blood. And <laughs> like, and th- this is the thing. At a certain point, I think this script actually does start to work, where it's just them saying things that people would say when this yes. crazy shit yes. would happen. You know, um, once we've done away with all the clunky exposition, it like it really starts to move. 
Um, so that's when Eric confesses to reading the passage. I think it maybe even goes further to later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, David sends Natalie into the cabin to get some sugar water. <laughs> yeah. It's like some water for him and like with sugar. losing so like, much fluid. Yeah. Um, and she, of course, she hears some banging around in there. The trap door is open. The front door locks. And we hear Mia crying for help at the bottom of the stairs. Um, and then Natalie goes in there to check on her. And then Mia starts like talking like a demon. And so Natalie runs out of there. The stair breaks, and she's just kind of like hanging there. Mm-hmm. And she like crawls out towards just the camera. Just makes it out, yeah. Just makes it out. And then there's a beat, and then she gets dragged back in there. <clears throat> and then um, she comes to. She's strapped down. Mia's rubbing her like gross face all over her. Because <laughs> at this point, Mia's eyes are like yellow yeah. and red. Yeah, Mia's fucked up. She's like full-on deadite now. Bleeding yeah. from the mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Nat- Natalie's able to grab like a box cutter and Mia bites her hand, grabs the box cutter. Oh God, Jesus. Just remembering this. She yeah. licks the fucking sharp end of the box cutter, mm-hmm. splitting her tongue in two. Yeah. This is if, if anybody who remembers seeing the red band trailer for this movie before it came out, this was the centerpiece of it was her. Yeah splitting her own tongue on a box cutter it oh. is gross yeah. it's my wife my wife's really ex, good <laughs> an ex of my wife it does it did that just like you know, oh cool split his tongue into like uh-huh. a snake tongue yeah he's yeah. way into body mods um wow, that's uh weird i yeah. didn't know i didn't know jess was such a freak <laughs> oh she's a freak all right um splits his t- her tongue into give me a kiss me you dirty c word <laughs> um mia kissed her uh. blood dripping all in natalie's mouth mm-hmm. um david opens the trap door natalie run is able to run out Ugh, and mia's like why don't you come down here so i can suck your cock pretty boy <laughs> sister by the way remember yeah, sister this is his sister yeah uh, some i'm sure some porn searches <laughs> this this lit up something in someone's head somewhere. <laughs> Evil Dead step. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's like Mia. Mia's not here. You fucking idiot. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. It's just like, dude, get over it, man. It's not yeah. Mia anymore. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What does she say here? She uh, says your sister's being raped in hell. Yeah. Which is an awful line, but mm-hmm. I also think. It's super effective and it is part and again, it kind of like I think it's important. I think it's actually important to setting up like this kind of understanding of this whole uh, journey that she goes on this idea of like what she goes through. She kind of goes to hell and spoiler back. Right. Yeah. Um, Again. Yeah. So. That's uh, off my soapbox again for a little while, but I think that's very deliberate. I think that's I think that line is there for a reason. Um, he ends up nailing up the trap door and locks it up with a chain. The door opens. Eric comes in with a gas can and a pitcher of water. Um, and then he's like drinking. I guess he never got his water. He's like, "Thanks for the water." <laughs> yeah, um, this is this is only in the unrated cut, and I do like this beat. Um, it's o- it's only in the unrated cut. 
Yeah, uh, my understanding is that that yeah, this scene of him coming in to get his water is not part is not in the uh, theatrical. I can see why they cut it for content. Jeez, <laughs> that would have gotten an X for sure. Yeah, he's um, real, he's real wet. <laughs> Later, uh, David sees Eric trying to burn the book, but it won't burn. Um, Eric and David look through the book, and they they you know, essentially there's one major demon. A taker of souls. Once he feasts on five souls, the sky will bleed again and the abomination will rise from hell. Um, Natalie, meanwhile, is in the kitchen tending to her bite wound, which yeah. looks disgusting. Yeah. The the practical effect on this is fucking great. Um, yeah. Because she's basically, she's washing her hand uh, under um, a faucet, a running faucet, and it's like the bite is right in the curve between her forefinger and her thumb. Yeah, right? like that fleshy part. Yeah, yeah, and she just starts squeezing like black chunky, bl- yeah, black bile or something out of it, and it's just like somebody made a great practical prosthetic that was just full of black shit for her to squeeze out. It yeah. looks so gross, but it's also like a little satisfying in the way that those like crazy zip popping like, videos pimple are. popper things. Yeah. 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 Which I try to avoid. Cause I think they're, I just think they're too gross, but I Me do too. get the satisfying part of it. Like I understand it, you know, do you know what I like? What? Um, videos of, uh, impacted earwax coming out <laughs> it's disgusting but it's uh-huh. not as disgusting in my okay. opinion as like the, the cyst like yeah. lancing of cysts sure and stuff. yeah but i it is very satisfying it's disgusting <laughs> um so eric says to save mia they're gonna have to kill her david freaks out and he still is not like completely buying that mm-hmm. the supernatural things happening Meanwhile, Natalie's hand is getting real gross real fast. It's essentially rotting. Yeah. The door slams behind her, and then it swings back open, and Mia is watching from the trap door yeah. in a really horrifying shot. It's like, looks it is. Yeah. really disturbing. It's scary, and it's also a great callback to the original. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of this. It's because Mia is essentially doing the Linda role right now. Yes, right or not, Linda? Sorry, the sister Cheryl. 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 Yes, she's doing Cheryl more or less. <clears throat> the first one to go. Who's the sister? And also, just to point out, like the sort of archetypes of these characters, they do go down in the order that it happens in the first movie too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, like it's basically the you know the sister first, then the girlfriend, then you know, and so on and so forth. But anyways, uh, yeah, the shot very reminiscent of a lot of shots, the a handful of shots in the first one of Cheryl basically like using her head to almost press up the trap door and like look yeah. out and kind of cackle along as bad shit happens on the ground floor. Um, uh, and bad shit happens for sure because Natalie <laughs> grabs that electric carver from earlier. And is she going to cut herself off at the wrist? No. Uh, it's she moved cuts too her, far. Yeah. It's yeah. moved too far. She cuts her fucking arm off at the bicep. Like yeah. the thickest part of her arm muscle. Uh huh. It's so, so bloody. I it cannot is. stress how bloody this is. <laughs> it is absolutely gruesome. It is fucking gross and i have a note here where this is the point in the movie where i had to stop and think about it and then i said 
fuck, this is gruesome in all caps. But I don't think this qualifies as torture porn mm-hmm. because the movie never stops to revel in anyone's pain. It's just the graphic violence. It's like, sure. Uh, and, and in this case, it's like the one thing that does remain from this very, very much, much more gory version of the hand severing that we see in Evil Dead 2 is that she wants to do it. Mm-hmm. And she's like accomplishing something. And yeah, there's screaming, but it's not torturous. It's like, I have to do this. I'm yeah. getting this done. And it's like, we don't spend a lot of time on her face and we don't spend any time in this movie really like wallowing and feeling shitty about what's happening to somebody. It moves too fast. Uh, yeah. And so for that reason, I think it like graduates from getting stuck in like hostile territory, you know? Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Um, Cause I did sort of say that it was torture porny earlier, but I, I do think it's inaccurate. Um, it skirts the line for sure. So she screams, the power goes out. Eric and David run in to check on her. She's like, I had to do it. I'm so much better now. She stands up. The severed arm falls to the ground. Yeah, it, <laughs> David, it hasn't quite severed. It just comes off. As yeah, they, it just comes yeah. off. Yeah. David whips out the duct tape and tapes it back up. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is a little funny. Yeah, this yeah. is a little funny. And then, yeah. and then she's like, he's like, everything's going to be fine. And Eric's like, you just, she just cut her fucking arm off. Does that seem fine? <laughs> Which is like this. It, it is yeah. a little bit funny, you know? Yeah. I, uh-huh. I'm starting to eat my words. Yeah. Uh, so then Eric reads the Necronomicon to see how to get rid of the demon. There are a few options. There's a live burial, dismemberment, and purification by fire. Yeah. Uh, David's starting to come around to the idea, but he's still a little bit in denial. He sure, he doesn't, want to ki- he doesn't want to kill his sister. He doesn't want to yeah. kill his sister. Yeah. His mom died in a mental hospital, so you know he's afraid that like mental illness runs mm-hmm. in the family. Maybe that's what this is. Yeah. Then Eric calls him a coward and is like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go burn this place down. Um, and he's like, if you want, you can, go and, you can go run and hide. Then suddenly, Natalie's behind them, behind Eric. Oh, God, I forgot. This is the part. <laughs> <laughs> we see her like kind of like stumbling towards yeah. them and her face is dark and you hear like like the nail gun sound right she comes into the light she's shot nails into her face yeah there are nails sticking out of her face she's doing a little mini pinhead <laughs> and then she turns the nail gun on eric and shoots him yeah. so many times and just in the- just in time, he puts his hand up to, yep. to to protect his face. His whole arm, I should say. His, his whole, whole arm in front of his face. Yeah. And the nails go right through his arm. It's yeah. awful. Awful. It it's looks, a high-powered nail gun. It looks good. All this stuff. I mean, not fun good, you know, but it's like these effects are really solid. Yeah. I, I got oh, for say. sure. Yeah. And she just fucking lights him up with that nail gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's just like shooting him all over the yeah. place. It mm-hmm. like, pin, I think it pins it to his chest yeah. or pins something. Pins his arm to his chest at one point. She pops off like three nails into David's leg and we're supposed to fucking feel bad for him. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he like groans and rolls around on the floor, you know. But. Um, David tackles her. And then Eric and David spend a second like pulling nails out of their arms and legs, <laughs> which I, I have dreams like that where I uh, get like 
like uh, porcupine quills or something stuck mm-hmm. in my hand. Oh. Yeah, this actually reminded me of Return of the Living Dead 3 a little bit. It had mm-hmm. a similar feel to when she's putting nails into herself and how fucking uncomfortable it was. Like, the pulling the nails out is pretty rough. Um, And then I, suddenly Natalie's gone. Oh, I want to say one more thing, too. Yeah. The sound design is is a big part of the gruesomeness of this movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you yeah. mentioned the sound of the nail gun, but then also just the sound that they landed on of the nails landing in flesh. And, like, tearing out, like... like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fucking electric slicer arm scene is, like, there's so much heavy lifting that, yeah. that, that the sound oh. is doing. Yeah. When he pulls the nail out, you hear, like, the meat of, mm-hmm. like... He, like the skin and the meat of it being pulled out. Yeah. And then it hits the ground in like, like, tick, tick, like tinkles yeah. on the ground and it feels heavy. It's like, right. Oh, that nail that's a big nail. Yeah. That wasn't a little nail. Yeah. Um, David crawls for the shotgun and then Natalie comes back dragging this giant crowbar against the floor. And she starts beating the fuck out of it, of <laughs> David with it. Yeah. And then Eric starts shooting her with the nail gun. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you want to play little man? She goes after him. He runs out of nails. And this might actually be the most <laughs> gruesome thing for yeah. me yeah. in the movie. Yeah. She hits him with the nail, with the uh, crowbar. He raises his hand mm-hmm. to try to stop it. And it splits his fucking hand in half. Yeah. From between, like, basically, like, he's making, like, a live long and prosper sign. Yeah. Splits it down the middle. Yeah, yeah. And again, the sound is awful. Yeah, yeah. It's so gross. It's It's really gross. gross. And then she nails him over and over with in the head with with the crowbar, and is about to raise it for the killing blow. And then, boom! David blows her arm off at the wrist. Uh, her yeah, her hand off with a shotgun. And then you know, classic deadite trick. Mm She goes back to normal. Why are you hurting me, David? My yeah. face hurts. Now, I want to say, going back to the inversion of this movie where they take all the same beats of the first one, but they make them just feel much more real. Mm-hmm. At no point ever in any of the Evil Dead movies before this moment did I ever feel any sort of emotion for the character's when this, like you said, classic deadite trick happens where it's like, oh, don't hurt me, Ash. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, all yeah. that stuff. But this is like, because they're playing this all so real, this is actually like a little bit affecting, I think. Yeah. And you know what? I said it was a trick. I don't think it's a trick because she crawls into his lap and dies. Yeah. Like, so maybe point. this is just like, that's it, just her again. It just left. Yeah. It, just it left, left her I, to I, die. Yeah. Um. Oh, and let's make... Uh, Okay, no, okay. She doesn't come back. Anyway, body count three. Yeah. Eric starts laughing. <laughs> He's so fucked up right now. They go outside to the Jeep. Um, and like Eric's in a bad way. David's like, Don't die on me, man. Like, dying wouldn't be so bad right now. I just don't want to become the devil's bitch. <laughs> Classic Diablo Cody. I just know it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then David says what he's gonna what he ha- he's gonna do what he has to do. So he leaves Eric outside. He gets the gas can he pours it all over olivia lights her up he wraps natalie in a trash bag 
cuts her up with a chainsaw. Yeah, this is another one that's only in the unrated cut. So this is from the trailer, the cha- the chainsaw scene, but it's not oh. in the theatrical cut. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't remember the theatrical cut clearly enough to like be like, oh, I didn't see that before. Mm-hmm. Um. He splashes gas around the cabin, and he's like, "I'm sorry, Mia. I love you." He lights his Zippo. He's about to drop it. And then he hears Mia singing their mom's lullaby in the basement. He just can't do it. Yeah. Um, and then lightning strikes a tree outside. It ignites. It's like it's in, it's on fire, and he gets this idea. <laughs> this this idea is fucking crazy. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Maybe I'm on yeah. board. It it doesn't work perfectly. I'll say that. But yeah, it's, I mean, in essence, the idea here is just that. He's trying to figure out a way to fulfill one of the required ways of getting rid of the evil in the book. Yeah. With, without actually killing actually his killing a sister. Yeah. Yeah. So in the shed, he wires up some syringes to uh, like a battery, car battery, like yeah. car battery. We're not really sure what he's doing yet. And then he buries Natalie. Uh, or uh, yeah, he buries Natalie. He goes into the basement looking for Mia. Um, and you know, goes into the back room. It's all flooded mm-hmm. there now. Yeah. Um, and then Mia is behind him. She like floats at him with a box cutter. Yeah. Slashes his arm up. Also pretty gruesome. Yeah. But it's just like par for the course now. But it, yeah, yeah, exactly. If this was like the first hit in the movie, you would be like, oh fuck, because it's like a very deep, very realistic looking, realistic cut on his on his arm. Yeah. Uh, she throws him against a, some walls, tries to mm-hmm. drown him, and right when he's about to die, mm-hmm. Eric comes to the rescue, hits her in the back of the head with a crowbar. Yeah. But then we see she also stabbed him in the gut with the box cutter. Right. And I want to call out, too, that this the first half of the scene, up to, up to when Eric shows up, um, while being very dark and shot uh, dark, like the setting and some of the choreography of the fight... I feel like this is maybe a a little bit of a callback to the Army of Darkness pit fight. Oh, sure, um, yeah. Like it's like, you know, it's ankle deep water and she kind of throws him off a bunch of walls and tries to drown him and it's like I definitely think it's like a little bit of a nod and I I think that's fun too. Um so David injects her with a syringe and then Eric dies. Yeah. Body count four. He leaves her. He leaves him down there. And then for some reason, I didn't really understand the the reason behind this. Mm. He puts a red dress on Mia. I think it's um, just weird. Yeah, I think if she's just being weird. He wants to like give her a like, nice burial Give her a dress. funeral. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He puts a plastic bag over her head, buries her up to her neck, basically. Like in, she's laying down in, in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the grave, but he's buried everything about her head. Yeah. And she wakes up, and she, you know it's that it is that classic deadite move. Like, I, mm-hmm. David, I can't move. I can't breathe. Um, he doesn't buy it. Right. He's like, "Why do you hate me, David?" And she's trying to get into his head about like leaving her alone with her sick mm-hmm. mom. And then he buries her. He won't. Yeah. He's just like buries her head. Yeah, and there's some lines here about his mom being in hell and his sisters in hell. Yeah, and yeah. He's gonna burn in hell too, and it's all really, yeah. I mean, for me at least, 
for I mean, I, I for some reason, and I know again, this is a big. Your mileage may vary, but I also think, despite the the rough sketching of the characters and the not so great acting by Shiloh Fernandez, like they managed to push a couple buttons with this relationship in terms of what mm-hmm. they've been through, and especially for me, if you're watching this whole movie and thinking of her as really suffering, right? Not just, like, this isn't just a demon thing. This is, like, she is kind of trapped in there and going through all this. She is in hell right now. It's, like, mm-hmm. yeah, he. It, it's tough. It's, like, a little tough, this kind of severing of the relationship where he finally has to, like, you know, bury her, basically. Uh, and bury her he does. And once he does, the flaming tree goes out. And then he digs her up. And he takes the bag off her head. And he sticks the syringes into her chest and uses it like a defibrillator. Mm-hmm. Defibrillator, yeah. Yeah. It's a hard word. It is. Uh, the battery, like, he keeps jolting her. She's not waking up. And then the battery dies. Oh, no. Then he takes the bag off her head, and she <laughs> looks normal now. Yeah. And All the like, burns oh. are gone and everything. Yeah. It's like, you're in peace now. Then he covers her with a blanket and walks away. David? Then she's alive. It worked. They hug. Thanks for not leaving me, David. Um, yeah. And, then later, and again, and I think this is, you know, again, a pretty deliberate line. Like, thanks for not leaving me. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. Yep. This is this is kind of putting a button on, you know. That. Yeah. You know, ripped everything. in their relationship. Mm-hmm. She, he stuck around. He stuck with her through this this time. And then uh, he's like, well, I'm going to get the car keys, goes into the cabin, sees a picture of them all when they were kids, that picture from earlier. And then Dead-Eyed Eric is there and stabs him in the neck with pliers, which is a very yeah. strange stabbing instrument, but it yeah. wor- it's effective. Mm-hmm. Um, he collapses out of the front door in front of Mia, tells her to take the keys. Eric's approaching. Yeah, she doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to yeah. go. He's like, get out of here. And then he locks himself in the cabin with Eric, takes a shotgun. Eric's like coming at him. He shoots the gas can and it blows as if it's like full of fucking TNT. (laughs) It was a huge explosion. Yeah. Uh, Eric burns some really bad CGI fire. CGI fire is never Mm -hmm. good. It's always bad. Yeah. And David burns too. body count five. Yeah. Okay. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Get smarty pants because then Mia, <laughs> it matters. Yeah. It does. Mia finds that necklace that she ripped off earlier that David gave to her on the ground. She picks it up and then a drop of blood falls from the sky onto it. And fuck, it's raining blood now. The demon <laughs> got its five souls. Mm-hmm. And then, I, love, I love the blood rain, by the way. I love the blood rain, too. It looks awesome. Yeah, it does. And I will just say so that I don't have to interrupt. Um, when I talked about how the look of this movie gets better for me, like a lot of the violent scenes that we've been through have been pretty cool. But this, when it starts to rain blood with the light from the cabin on fire, yeah. I think this whole scene looks awesome. It does. It looks really cool. And her red dress and stuff, it's yep. like, it's very cool looking. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, a hand reaches out of the ground in that nude demon, like uh, of herself, like herself, right. basically like it's that a, dead eye version. It's a, of herself. Yeah, it's a, a deformed, stretched out, 
demon version of herself. Yeah. Yeah. Comes out of the ground. Mia gets into the Jeep. The demon busts in through the window. She, like, grabs Mia and, like, burns her skin just by touching her. Um, And finally, Mia's able to get out of the Jeep. She crawls into the hole where Grandpa died. The demon follows her in. Mia emerges into the shed, goes to grab a machete. It's like kind of like that Pulp mm. Fiction thing. Goes to grab the machete, then looks up, grabs a chainsaw instead. There's no gas. But luckily, the chainsaw gas is in like a Pepsi bottle behind her. She like mm. nudges the, nudges the, the, um, uh, the, what's the word? Shelf. shelf? Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> nudges the shelf. The like can lands in her in her hand, and she gasses it up. This this is when it starts to feel ashy. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. She starts to move with kind of purpose. Yeah, um, yeah. She's like, but I mean, also like she's barely been in the movie the whole time as yes. Mia, right? Yes, exactly. So it's like she was the missing ash that we needed because her brother never really filled that role adequately. Yeah, you know. Uh, gasses the chainsaw up. The demon comes from the hole. And then, so, oh, God, this is so gross, too. She, <laughs> Mia basically like, has to hide in between two walls. She's like, like a crawl space, kind in of. In a crawl yeah, space, the walls. Yeah. yeah. And the demon starts stabbing the machete through the walls. Mm-hmm. And one, one of them just, like, com- comes in and, like, drags across her knee. Yeah, like gets maybe a quarter. Inch. Yeah, exactly. But, like, <laughs> saws across her knee. Oh. And it's, like, the worst... It's like a paper cut on steroids, it feels like, and you can just feel it. It's so awful. Like, it yeah. goose, just goosebumps all over my, my fucking arms. And the, yeah. the machete's, like, rusty, too. It's, yeah. It's gnarly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another one, like, gets her on the arm, too. Um, And then uh, <laughs> she, like, busts through the wall to the outside. Yeah. Hides under a Jeep. Go ahead. This is the part of the movie also when, like, I wrote my note down that this score rips. Because I'd been enjoying it. I had a note, like, 40 minutes earlier that was like, this score is honestly really solid. Uh, and I like some things about it. And then in this climactic showdown, I, fuck, I got really into it. I thought it was working on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, she's under the Jeep. She fires up the chainsaw, cuts off one of the demon's legs. And then she's like, the demon starts to tip, like picks up the, the Jeep and starts to tip it over. Mm-hmm. It rolls over right onto Mia's hand, crushing her hand and like pinning her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she can't reach the chainsaw as the demon's crawling for her. And so she just fucking pulls her hand off, like yeah. rips her hand out. Literally rips her hand off. Yeah, like skin, tendons, like, blood, skin. Yeah, it's like a pizza commercial with the cheese, <laughs> like ripping her skin. Oh um, boy, oh boy, yeah. It's horrifying. Um, and then at least she's free. She gets mm. the demon crawl, crawls up to her. She's like, "I'll feast on your soul. Feast on this motherfucker." She rams the chainsaw through the demon's head. I think into its mouth. Into its mouth. Back through the back of its neck, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then starts to saw down. Blood is going 
everywhere. Yeah. So much blood is there's, shooting everywhere. There's this awesome silhouette two shot of the burning cabin behind them and Mia holding the chainsaw and just blood spraying and spraying and spraying. Yeah. And I was like, this is fucking cool. I was like, that it really like it hits this crazy crescendo in terms of just and it's like this is what I was talking about. It's like at this point in the movie you're like battered and bruised and you've seen so much insanity and I'm like almost kind of chuckling cuz I'm just like man this is fucking nuts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh yeah, this this end is so solid. Uh so she like essentially cuts a demon in half. There are two uh, there's a great shot of the demon mm. like it's both its faces in half mm-hmm. and both of the both of them are blinking like both mm-hmm. halves are blinking on the ground. Yeah. And the, um, the ground's totally soaked with blood. Ground soaked been, with blood. It's been raining blood this whole time by the way. In case yeah. you didn't see this movie and you forgot, they <laughs> rained I think they said something like it's either 70,000 or 700,000 gallons of fake blood. Yeah, it was uh, like it's in the hundreds of thousands, I think. Yeah, uh, it's so fucking nuts. Yeah. So then the demon just kind of like soaks into the ground. The blood rain stops. She puts on the necklace, and then she walks into the woods as the sun rises. Yeah. Then we get a quick shot of the book, the Necronomicon. It's the pages are flipping, and then it closes. The and, end. Yeah, and just so you know, in the theatrical cut. This next part that we're about to cover, not part of the theatrical cut. This is only the unrated. Okay, so why don't you cover it? Because I didn't write it down. I okay. read about. It. I think if, if we're talking about the same thing, I re- I read about yeah. it. I actually didn't witness it because there's two. There's basically an inter inter credit sequence and there's a post credit sequence, right? And right, neither one of them are important to the plot of the film. No, for the purposes of this movie that I liked, the end. The movie has ended. Um, and then because in unrated cuts, it's like, well, give them, make it longer. Give them everything. There's a sort of, uh, in fact, totally unnecessary scene where Mia makes her way into the daytime. She's walking down a road. Uh, and like everything, it's shot well. I like it. She collapses on the road and uh, a truck drives up and it's just an old dude. Checks to see if she's okay. Realizes she's in really bad shape. Throws her in the back, is frantically driving her to a hospital as she's bleeding all over the back seat of his SUV. And then there's just a shot. It sort of pans over and lands on her face and her eyes open all of a sudden. And it just looks sort of suspicious. And there's like a shock on the score, but like her eyes are normal. I don't know. It hmm. doesn't make any real sense to me. I didn't see this. Yeah. And I even like fast forwarded through the credits to make sure I didn't miss anything. Interesting. Yeah. And I rented it on just... Google and uh, yeah, that's, I rented that... it on Amazon. No. Uh, and then, yeah, talk about, I'm going to, I'm actually going to pull this up for myself. Sure. Okay. And then we go back to the credits and I will say the end credits are great. They've got some good, um, uh, the credit sequence was done well. Uh, and we get to hear some of the narration from the original movie of Dr. Uh, Nolby um, reading uh, his recording about finding the book and how he unleashed the evil. Um, and then the credits wrap up and we get this silhouetted profile view of what could only be Bruce Campbell, um, 
who then turns slightly to camera. It's very dark, and he just goes groovy. And then the movie ends, and it's just kind of dumb fan service, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Has no bearing on the film. But yeah, those are your two end credit sequences. Eric, were you able to find this uh, extra scene? Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh-huh. Um, it's not special. Or oh, there it is. Or okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I see it now. So you just yeah. uh, just missed it, huh? I guess I just missed it. Okay, well, you failed at your Interesting. job. I'm so sorry, Killstreakers. I guess I can have I have to give this movie an incomplete because uh, <laughs> I clearly did not watch all of it. Yeah. And it, oh wait, oh wait. There and there. Oh, there her eyes are open. And they're blue. They're normal. <laughs> right, yeah. Normal looking eyes. Yeah. Mm. Um I was thinking now that we finished the plot synopsis, it's probably a good idea just to give a disclaimer to people that this is a very violent movie. Um, and you should know that going into it. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just poking fun at myself for realizing that maybe that would have been a good way to open this episode with just like, I I said, it's, it's probably the most brutally violent movie we've ever covered. Yeah, you're right. You did say that. Okay. But Jesus Christ, is it the most violent movie we've covered? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, so this movie is only seven years old. Not a Mm -hmm. lot of opportunities for it to have aged poorly. Yeah. Uh, but you know, maybe you have one, uh, moment that aged the worst for you, Price. Um, Diablo Cody's dialogue punch. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, that's, that's it for me. There's, there's only a, a little bit of it is recognizably of that tone, but the stuff that is does not land. But honestly, the stuff that isn't doesn't really land either. Like we said, the script sure. is not a strong suit of this film. Um, yeah, for me, it might be the, uh, the, the insistence that the vines have to enter a woman's vagina. Yeah. What the fuck guys? Come on. But I mean, it's a disgusting movie. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it, whatever it, it is, what it is. Um, yeah. the CGI fire also looks, yeah, looks pretty shitty. Also still looks pretty shitty. Yeah. Honorable so, mention. Yeah. Yeah. Honorable mention. Uh, best death, man. Everybody, nobody dies quickly in this movie. <laughs> no. Um, Oh fuck. I mean, Again, I feel like this is a uh, sort of uncreative, but the the final kill yeah. for me is my favorite. That's uh, if I'm being honest. Yes, that's mine yeah. as well. Mia versus the Mia demon. It is the most satisfying. It is the goriest. Uh, it is shot the best. It uh, for me, it really it, it it's the rare case when I think the high like the this movie doesn't follow much of a climax denouement structure. It's like this movie climaxes at the end. Yeah. And I, and I enjoy that about it. Um, so then on the carpenter scale, this is the scale that we use here on kill streak to determine how scary mm-hmm. a movie is. And of course we use the filmography of one of our favorite directors, John Carpenter to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a little bit difficult because I don't know that John Carpenter has ever had a movie as brutally no violent as this no i don't think he has i think his most violent movie i mean i guess would be the thing i think so yeah um i has i'm hesitant to give this movie a the thing because i think we also me too we think of that as such a superlative thing um, me too and, and i think i gave the thing the the evil dead the thing oh yeah yeah um so I would suggest uh, it's one we've used a number of times, but I, n- I don't think ever for this particular reason. 
But I would probably put out there that the second goriest John Carpenter movie is The Fog. Um, yeah. It has some pretty gruesome kills in it. Um, and I think that this movie is sort of scary, but mostly just uh, tough to watch because of its level of goriness. Yes. Um, so I think that would be my nomination. You know, that was that was the movie that I had um, in my head, too, when I started thinking about it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. let's go with The Fog. I like that. Okay. This is a fog. This is a fog. And then finally, uh, we're this very mature rating system that we have. Mm-hmm. Mary Fuck Kill. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess I'll go, I'll go first. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, I would have thought that this movie would have been a kill in my mm-hmm. in my from my past experience yeah but you know it really kind of won me over with the second viewing mm-hmm. i'm sort of stuck between <laughs> a, a fuck and a mary you and me both man which seems weird with a movie this brutally nihilistically violent yeah um but you know what jeez ah, that's tough it's tough I think I'm going to have to go with a fuck because I don't know that I'm going to be revisiting this movie very often. Sure. Which, which for me is like kind of a, uh, you know, a big part of mm-hmm. for me in this, in this rating system. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the fuck. Okay. I, I'm also pretty on the fence uh, and you know, no secret why I think I've outlined how I feel about this movie pretty extensively at this point. Um, but to just kind of bring things back around uh, to help myself, I mean, the checklist is, I think it uh, is sort of a mixed bag in terms of uh, the way it's shot. I think some of the camera work is great. The ending, like the last third, I think looks awesome. But the first third, I pretty much don't care for. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I have said, I think the plot is solid, but I think that the dialogue is bad. Um I think that the ambition is uh, commendable. I think that they did different things when they didn't have to. I think that they mostly pulled off a pretty tricky, uh, fairly meaningful allegory. uh, And the gore is super affecting. The special effects work is great. Um, The score, I think, is really solid. I think the characterizations are bad. I think the acting is mediocre. Uh, I do like the lead. If I'm thinking about it the way that you put it, like, again, for sure it's a fuck. This was fun for me to watch in a Mm -hmm. punishing sort of way. I'm glad I did watch it again. I am not going to watch this again frequently, but I think I will watch this movie again. And it might be five more years or six Mm -hmm. more years before I do. But it's like, I think there's there's stuff there, and it's like, let me put it this way, if they ever got around to making an Evil Dead 2, like, you know, sequel to this film, I would be kind of excited about it. Um, And that is something that I wouldn't say about a lot of movies that we've covered. Sure. Um, So, uh, I know that I... Gave Escape from L.A. a few last month and a half ago. I gave it a Mary, and then I walked it back to a fuck. Uh, (laughs) And I stand by that. I think I overshot. But 
I'm going to take the risk of uh, regretting being a little too glowing. And I'm going to say, I think this is a Mary for me. Wow. Okay. With what the expectations are for a movie like this, they, they exceeded them certainly. And I think they made something that, uh, like I said at the beginning, I think this is a good movie. Well, there with, you have it, guys. With some big warts. With some big warts. That's all. That's all. Of okay, course. I'm done. Yeah, I mean, I'm done. I'm done. very seldom do we get a perfect movie. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, we're going to highlight some pretty imperfect movies <laughs> in our next segment. So, uh, here, we're going to wrap this up here on for the Evil Dead portion of the podcast. But stay tuned for a brand new segment coming up next. Okay, we're back with our final segment. This is a new one for us. Although, I guess maybe it's a uh, a different angle on an old favorite. Um, so, this is a remake, of course. And this horror movie uh, genre has been populated by many, many inferior remakes. This one turned out to be a pretty good one. But there are a lot of real stinkers. So, we wanted to highlight some of the most pointless remakes of all time mike why don't you tell us what this brand new segment is called this is the inessentials a monument to crapulence (laughs) all right yeah so let's talk about the least essential horror remakes ever made um who should start eric um you know what i'll go first okay because i think I might have the biggest example of this. And of course, mm-hmm. I am talking about Gus Van Sant's remake, <laughs> shot for shot remake of the movie Psycho, uh-huh. starring Anne Heche and uh, Vince Vaughn in the Norman Bates role. Yeah. This is a movie that has mystified audiences <laughs> and critics alike. Why do this? Why? I don't know that. Why do this? <laughs> I feel like it, that is the question at the core of the inessentials. Uh, why does this movie exist? And if you can't come up with any fucking reason whatsoever, I think yeah. you've got an inessential on your hands. I'm I'm terrified that this movie is now being reevaluated by a new audience. I, I don't maybe think they're... so. I don't. Think I so. hope not. Yeah. Gus Van Sant is a great director. He's uh-huh. made some great movies. He had all anything at his disposable. Yeah. At his disposable. <laughs> his disposal at this point. Right. And he did this. It makes no sense. Yeah. It adds nothing. Yeah. And what it does is it introduces two inferior actors <laughs> into your lead yeah. roles. Right. Yeah. Neither of them is particularly good. No. Like you said, it is a shot for shot remake with one exception yes yeah he added one single scene and what is that eric <laughs> it's vince von jerking off while watching <laughs> someone in the shower yes and also Anne haish's butthole is visible in one <laughs> what <laughs> i'm pretty sure at least i'm in my memory oh my when god she falls over in the shower <laughs> murder you like quickly see a little hint of <laughs> little little touch of brown oh man that's that is one of my favorite grateful dead songs but uh, <laughs> yeah so anyways yeah gus van sant psycho great pick eric i think uh yeah that's that's a good one um 
I wanted to give a quick honorable mention to a movie that I don't think quite qualifies, but I just wanted to briefly shame it. And that is uh, the recent uh, It Chapter 2. Um, oh, sure. Which, uh, yeah, uh, directed by um, Andy Muschietti. Um, I don't think it qualifies because it's only technically a remake of the second half of a television miniseries. So it's technically the first time it's ever been a feature film. But, you know, the first Muschietti, it was okay. I think I was, like, a little bit pleasantly surprised just because my expectations were so, so low. Uh Um, Because everybody knows how often uh, King adaptations go south. We've talked about this before on the podcast. Yes. Um, So the first one kind of worked. Um, The second one is a fucking trash fire uh that makes a bunch of pretty good actors seem like they are absolute amateurs uh its entire last third turns into a fucking marvel movie it is just awful and it is so craven in its like attempts to please everyone and be the kind of blockbuster that apparently hollywood has decided is what is good for us yeah, um, yeah, I hate it. I know, I, I I never saw the. Uh, mm. No, I'm sorry, that's not true at all. I did see the original. I never saw this one. Uh-huh. This part two. Yeah, uh, mostly because it got universally bad reviews. So I'm like, why, why do this to myself? I barely liked the first one. Yeah, um, but anyways, enough about it. Chapter two. Don't see it. Uh, my actual nominee for uh, least essential remake ever. Uh, a horror movie edition uh, be- because otherwise I think we'd have some Spider-Man movies in there probably. But yeah. um, <laughs> I'm going to go with our old friend. He's come up on this podcast already twice today. Marcus Nispel and mm. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, so again, let's talk about and, and so first of all, like there's an argument to be made for which of the remakes of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the least essential? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know the answer to. <laughs> yeah, because there's more than one, and I'll 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 spoil this right now. I haven't even fucking seen the uh, 2013 Texas Chainsaw 3D, but no, I I'll tell you it's in 3D. So I guess there's one reason why it's different, um, and also I don't know. It sounds a little weirder. But we've talked about it already. Marcus Nispel is a gun for hire who doesn't give a shit about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original Toby Hooper. And it's a Michael Bay production, so fuck that guy for sure. Um, but also it's just like, we again, why does this movie exist? And apparently mm-hmm. the answer is to take a movie that was interesting and weird and shot in a in a cool, dirty, unique way and to just make it as glossy and, uh, and take away all of its personality and replace the cast with, as Eric put it, fucking CW hotties. Uh, this movie sucks. Um, yeah. And it sucks real fucking hard. And it just takes everything about the first movie and makes it either a little bit worse or a lot worse. Um, yeah, 
what you've seen it, Eric? What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, I've seen it. It even gives like Leatherface this like backstory about how he was born in like a dumpster or something like that and yeah. like, survived on uh your drippings from the fucking <laughs> um uh slaughterhouse. Yeah, it's yeah. that movie sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And special uh points deducted for starring Jessica Biel who I uh ran into at uh <laughs> At uh, the Garment District in Boston back in 2002, while she was attending uh, Suffolk University, I believe, or Tufts. I think she went to Tufts. I would say Tufts. Suffolk is a... Yeah. I don't think that's up to her standards. She went to Tufts. We went to Emerson. I invited her to a Halloween party. She didn't come. Uh Huh. I've, I've was she famous at that point? Yeah, she was. She had already done Seventh Heaven. I, I, I'm just kidding. I haven't resented her at all. Uh, I actually, <laughs> that's a story I've, I've gone out, I've eaten out on many times because, uh, or dined down on what's that phrase? I forget. But anyways, Ooh, I don't know. Whatever you said first, yeah. I liked the most. But uh, yeah, it was cool just to talk to her. My heart rate uh, got uh, dangerously high. But anyways, <laughs> back to you, Eric. Uh, so I, while you've been talking, I've been trying to frank, cause I can't reach my keyboards. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I'm trying to frantically like play six degrees of Roland Emmerich here. Okay. Because my second entry mm-hmm. into, uh, the mo the monument of crapulence <laughs> in essentials reverse it is the 2000 remake of Godzilla starring Matthew Broderick. <laughs> This goes uh, down as one of my <laughs> least favorite movie-going experiences uh-huh. of my life. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just hated every second of it. I was there on a date with a girl who was fast and easy. <laughs> <laughs> and she was trying to make out with me the whole time. Uh, and you and were I, just so mad at the movie. I was so mad at the movie, but also didn't want to make out because I have to pay attention to movies. <laughs> <laughs> so I just... Got fucked on all sides, except for the way that mattered the most. (laughs) Uh, This movie, it's, it's, in my memory, Godzilla looks stupid and gray. There are little Godzilla babies that Mm -hmm. pop out of like Madison Square Garden or some shit. Accurate. Yeah, that that happens exactly. And it is this, that classic Roland Emmerich, Dean Devlin, Mm -hmm. like too much happening too many explosions it's dumb and loud buildings will get destroyed though buildings will get destroyed i'm not even a huge godzilla fan i mm-hmm. like the original i think you know the uh the the scores of sequels are fun i've i've, yeah. I've, I've seen parts of a few of them i've never sure, like, sat sure. down to really watch mm-hmm. a godzilla movie except for like kind of the most recent ones um and but this movie was just such a stinker and it, it just kind of missed the fun in all the yeah. Although it did, didn't it have like a Puff Daddy? Yeah. Rock well, rap? not only yes, it's a Puff Daddy ruining uh, a Led Zeppelin. Song. A Led Zeppelin. That's what <laughs> yeah. it was. Oh my god. Because yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, the name of the Puff Daddy song is "Come with Me," um, yeah. and I think what was what was the original Zeppelin song? Um, oh yeah. It's uh, it was, um, it's you know da 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 what is that yeah it's, uh, uh puff help daddy me out. cashmere it's cashmere cashmere um, yeah yeah and uh yeah and it's just literally cashmere and then at the end of that build he just goes come with me <laughs> yeah puff daddy 
what a talentless hack. Uh, yeah, he really was. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that movie fucking sucks for sure. Uh, yeah, ruined a uh, ruined a uh, Japanese uh, mo- kaiju monster and uh, a Led Zeppelin song. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, great. My final pick for the uh, the inessentials, a monument to crapulence. Uh, I'm going to be so bold as to select a movie that I have not seen. Um, <laughs> oh. I almost did this too, actually. Really? I want to see what you have to say. But yeah. just the sheer fact that this movie exists makes me so upset. <laughs> and that is 2016's remake of Cabin Fever. Cabin Fever, yeah. <laughs> me too. I have also never seen it. A and... movie that came out in fucking 2003. <laughs> And, like, was it a huge hit? I like that movie. I haven't seen it since I, I saw it. I think it did fine. Um, but why remake that movie? I truly do not know. I cannot understand how yeah. or why this movie exists. I'm really happy you picked this because I almost picked it, too. But then I was like, well, I haven't seen it. Maybe it rules, but I doubt it. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> the original is not that good. It's fine. Yeah, um, I remember liking it, but I don't. I doubt it. Date it. It aged, aged well. very poorly. Um, I liked it a little bit when I saw it for the first time when I was twenty, because mm. um, there's a handful of dumb jokes in it. One of which I actually repeated a lot while I was in college. <laughs> um, Care to say it, or can you? Yeah, not? you know, I can. I can. It's it's uh, it's fine. Um, yeah, well, Eli Roth is has a cameo where he plays like kind of a hitchhikery camper type guy, and mm-hmm. he shows up just in the middle of the night and kind of busts in on the partiers, uh, hanging out around a fire, getting high, and he has a dog with him, and his dog's name is Doctor Mambo, uh, <laughs> and uh, James DeBello uh, asks Eli Roth, he's very stoned, and he goes, "Hey man, is he a real doctor?" as a joke and Eli Roth goes yeah he's a doctor of being a dog and then and then says faced yeah he says faced like you know you got faced which was a thing people said in 2002 and then goes scratch moded Uh, anyways it's fucking dumb it's dumb as shit that's the movie that this movie is a remake of (laughs) so I got I got to see it. Maybe I'll watch it tonight if we don't end up having a call. Oh, God. I, I'm so curious. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, again, write in, call in. If you've seen Cabin Fever 2016, give yeah. us any reason why it exists. Tell us Also, why. write to us and tell us uh, if you have any picks for yeah. uh, this segment. We'd love to hear them. Yeah. It's, you know, this is a very different segment than a Mount Rushgore because when we're picking the best of things, you know, Eric and I love horror movies. We've seen most of the best things because those are the things we've sought out our whole adult lives. Doing something like this, I mean, half of the nominees, I'm like, well, I've never seen that movie because it's supposed to be fucking <laughs> yeah. terrible. So I, wouldn't, I yeah. would never see that movie. Yeah, exactly. So let us know your least essential horror remakes and why. Uh, yeah, and if you aren't a total weirdo, we'll play them on the air. So um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you can do that by um, sending a voicemail to our Anchor website. Uh, can they just get 
they can just get to that through killstreakpod.com, right? They can, or they can go straight to anchor.fm slash killstreakpod. And you can find us on Twitter, uh, at KillStreakPod, and Instagram, same handle. We're at KillStreakPod all around. Um, yeah, now that the election stuff's over, I should I should be tweeting more. Mm-hmm. I haven't been recently, because it felt weird. It's been uh, a hellscape now, out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and, uh, now we're ready to have fun again. Yeah, and I had an idea. Maybe I'll just say this now so I don't forget, but maybe we can get it on the rails next episode. But... Would really like to bump up those uh, ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts to help get the podcast out to more people. So I want to try to incentivize folks. If you want, uh, you know, to see something, if you want to get shouted out on the podcast, uh, we're going to try to figure out a way to get people. We might even have some kind of swag we might send out to folks. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I've got a couple ideas, a couple irons in the fire, but... In the meantime, if you just want to do it for free, for fuck's sake, please uh, leave us a review and a rating on an uh, Apple Podcast. Yeah. Hey, oh, really? Ah. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's been a long one here. It has. And we're about to wrap it up. So, as always, well, some slugs are going to have a party tonight.